Welcome, vagrants, to another episode discussion. This week, the fallout of all that death and betrayal from last episode. We to are, say the least. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. We are diving into episode six, Requiem for the Republic. The original air date was May 7th, 2020. The directors on this one were Natalie Harhoff and Cindy Lee. And the writer was Mika Collins, and as always, it's based on the comic book by Magdalene Visaggio and Jason Smith. And so, this episode, in a nutshell, the team must fix their ship while avoiding the dangers of Wix. Meanwhile, Lazaro begins his ascent to power. Ooh. Da, I, da, da. <laughs> my recap, I would sum the episode up simply. Elita tripping balls. <laughs> That's it. That's the end. Thanks for listening. Podcast over. See, see, what I want to know is, say you're the sort of person that lo- want, that likes to watch TV while you're high. How crazy would this episode be? I mean, it's already oh, out there enough as it is. <laughs> That's a fantastic point. Listeners, if you have any answers, we'd love to hear them. All information submitted will be kept confidential. We guarantee your money back. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Seriously, though, we have a very emotionally charged episode here. And before we get too far, I have to implore everyone to re-watch this one with the captions. There are far too many to list, and it's a whole story in itself. So check it out. You won't regret it. So, of course, we've talked a bit about flashbacks in past episodes, but again, we've got another episode where we don't have flashbacks. Yep, second one without flashbacks out of, this is episode six, so we're, it's a big difference. But yeah, it it makes sense when you consider how much is going on here. I mean, you've got drug Delita, you've got Isaac caring for for, for drug Delita, you've got what's going on with the May and the ship, and of course, lest we forget, Lazaro. Yes, dum-dum-dum. We start off with Elita burying her mom's necklace, accompanied by a a caption, metallic sound whooshes, and it sets the mood right away. I mean, she's has to go through mourning her mom all over again and this is the start of it. Right. I mean, there isn't any dialogue at all in this first minute or so of the episode and it forces us as viewers to really dive into Alita's emotions carrying right on from last episode. I mean, she's been through so much and yet she still has to cope with the fact that her hope of seeing her mother again has just been snatched away from her completely. I mean, how would we feel if we were in Alita's shoes? Yeah, I mean, easy come, easy go, right? Except it's really not easy at all. (laughs) Yeah, the complete opposite, as it were. (laughs) I mean, mean, you dangle her mom in front of her and then just ripped away. I I feel like it's easy come, really hard go, maybe, (laughs) would be more accurate. I mean, you, you go from that joy of, oh, maybe my mom is still alive, to, god damn it, she really is dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Amay and Isaac are off to the side, um, just kind of observing Alita as she's doing this. And then, you know, after that silence, we, we they're talking about what happened, and you... 
can really see the emotional intelligence that a may possesses um i mean it's unparalleled she can separate her own emotions she understands why isaac did what he did even though she doesn't agree and then she's also she really gets elita and how she's feeling and she's you know explaining that to isaac I mean, yeah, she really is the heart of the team. And I, and I get it because, again, she's also been through so much. Losing family at a young age like that hurts. And as she says, what would we not give up to see long lost family again? Yeah, I think that's a pretty common thought process. Right. Real, it, it, again, it's bringing that human touch to the show. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also worth noting just how much damage has been done because of what Isaac did. As May points out, this isn't going to be a quick fix, not by any means. And I think this is one of the major conflicts as we get into the second half of the, of the season. That element of being able to change for the better and that element of forgiveness. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a key, obviously, you know, through this episode, but I mean... It's an important lesson to learn at any time, but, you know, especially when, when there's this amount of betrayal and, um, and, and stuff that happens. I mean, you've got this team that's been together now for, I don't know how long, how long it is in space time, but, you know, obviously they, they have come to, um, be very close with each other and when one person is, you know, when Isaac betrayed Alita, that, that's that's hurtful it's really hurtful right hurtful would be understanding it honestly because sure enough you you can tell alita is just sort of done with isaac and to a lesser extent amay just because of the bond the whole group has built up and and you see she just wants to get away and forget about them forever Mm mm-hmm and i mean i i do get it especially with what happened with with isaac but to just run away from from a, a May like that and never face your feelings head on, there, there, there comes a point when you can't really hold back things like that. I mean, not not to bring other shows into this, cause I, but, but I anticipate I'll be I doing mean, that a fair bit with this week's episode. <laughs> it's not like it hasn't happened before. <laughs> yeah, history repeating itself here, folks. <laughs> But yeah, I, I just think of what all is going on here with, with Alita wanting to just sort of run away from her feelings. And it reminds me vaguely of, of She-Ra and Ketra in the, in the new She-Ra series, especially in, in the later seasons, where, where, where she just sort of pushes away the important people in her life and lets that drag her down more. I mean... I get very similar vibes between what's going on with Alita here and what happens with Ketra in those later seasons of She-Ra. Yeah, it definitely She-Ra and and Katra and it's it's just as frustrating in She-Ra as it is in in Vagrant Queen and I mean in any number of shows, you know, where you're just you you want to just shake the the character so bad like just open your eyes and and look (laughs) right i mean i think if we're going to make the comparisons between alita and katra then i think we could also extend that to comparing amay and adora i think of i think it's halfway through season five of of she-ra where where adora just has that moment where 
she has to face Catra head on and tell her, listen, you can't keep running away from your feelings like this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you Catra is at that point where she has to listen. I mean, there's there's no running away anymore at that point where they're at in the season. No spoiler. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll try and avoid the spoilers here, but... Yeah, I get the very similar vibe with, with, with a maid just trying to bring Alita back down to Earth. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on, the trio return to the wreckage that is their ship. And apparently the damage was forgettable, uh, but it's really not. I mean, we realize just no. how bad it is uh, when that line was followed by a random fire starting in the distance on the ship. And, I mean, we saw just how rough that landing was. I mean, are we really surprised here? I, I'm honestly, I'm more shocked that a May can get that thing flying in less than a day. But I guess that just goes to show her mechanical prowess. She sure knows what she's doing. Definitely. And that's why she does the flying. <laughs> Yep. They kind of they kind of have a little um, uh, a little meeting. Alita and Isaac got their marching orders. They are going to gather up those parts that have scattered, and Ame is gonna start fixing everything as she does. Um, so yep. <laughs> Alita storms off. Isaac has a bit more of an emotional break uh, with with Winnie um, and. He kind of gives Winnie a uh, Winnie gives him a flashlight, and then he reciprocates with a hug, and it's so cute. It is. In our interview with Tim, he told us that was the only improv that he did on set was that hug with Winnie. Yeah, I mean, I just love that moment so much. I mean, Isaac's been through a lot too. I mean, remember the ejector seat in the whole I mean, fiasco how with that? I mean, forget. <laughs> I, I can't blame Isaac at all for wanting a bit of comfort before he ventures back onto that hellish desert for the 9,753rd time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he messed up bad, but he also, he knows it and he feels it. And that, I think that's important. Um, so absolutely, obviously emotions are are high uh, as the two set out, and Isaac tries to make um, make his amends and uh, with Alita and and jokes that she should shoot him and and they'd be even. But I mean, this scene, you know, he it started off as a joke, but you can see the tears in his eyes, and you can see that it came out way more serious than even he expected it to because he seemed like he was actually taken aback. And then, of course, there's that whole rant from Alita right after about how bad of a person Isaac is and how his wife and child are better off without him. And it's just like, holy crap, those are some deep, deep cuts there. Yeah, Alita said some harsh stuff, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, let's move on from that depressing scene because, whew, that was big. Um, yeah, I'll say. I 
love that Isaac kills the the mosquito, <laughs> the, the space mosquito. I can't remember what the uh, the creature's name was, but he really he shows it who's boss. And I mean, again, after everything he's been through, can you really blame him? Uh, I mean, no. I'd probably want to kill some things too. As would I. I mean, shame, it didn't exactly go so well for Alita, who got taken out completely. Space is a dangerous place. Yeah, that's for sure. Maybe we can just hope for an alien invasion on Earth instead of a space... A- Instead of a space venture, maybe our odds would be better, <laughs> or at least yeah. potentially. But yeah, so we have we we have Elita is starting to hallucinate now. The scene of her watching her hands sizzle and burn and like melt off uh. the bone was pretty graphic. Um, yeah. I mean, she she says out loud it's not real, and she's trying to convince herself, and that's a, a direct call to the comic book, um, because in the comic book, she also says it's not real, but there's really not a whole lot that she can do. Um, at least in the show, she's not alone, um, though... If she, were she in her right mind, I'm I'm positive she'd rather Isaac just go away. <laughs> but I mean, when you're in a life and death situation like this, I mean, I'm sure she at least appreciates the help, even if she wanted a minute. Because I mean, who would want to go through something like this alone? Um, not me. Definitely yeah. not me. Uh, and. T- talking about dangerous i am super glad that isaac knows something is wrong and that everything alita is saying is due to her tripping on the venom and not because of you know what has happened with the betrayal so i'm really impressed he's not taking it personally and i mean that's kudos on his his character um but it also sounds like they've done some recreational drugs together before. So you, it definitely gave some good background on their friendship in that regards in this episode that is so full of angst between them. Right. I mean, I think of the moment where Isaac bring, brings up the cromulin dust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he says that it's not as bad. <laughs> so, um, I mean, clearly we are seeing... Alita at her worst, and and that's right. that's saying something. So, like I said, I'm I'm glad he recognized it as as the the venom and not everything else. Um, but I'm really glad Alita didn't have a gun while she was hallucinating. Otherwise, um, Isaac really could have been in some trouble there. I mean, he ended up in a bit of trouble regardless. I mean, that <laughs> punch when. When she was hallucinating Lazaro, that left a mark. Damn. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, she's still a formidable. She's still a formidable fighter. So true. Yeah, and one of the hallucinations is half being strangled to death, like the Dunkrum from the last episode. So I was not the only one scarred by that moment, because clearly she had some residual memory of it right good lord i i I think that's one side effect of all the hallucinations is yeah this is terrifying and i'd be questioning my sanity if i were in a moment like this but i think 
the big thing here is that to some extent, it forces Alita to really reckon with her emotions over what she's seen and what she's done. Yeah, very true. And I mean, as, as crazy as it is, there's an element of truth to every one of those hallucinations that we see. Right. Uh, moving on, the, the two get kidnapped eventually and imprisoned by giant mothmen bugs. And that's something that I wouldn't want to deal with just regularly, let alone on drugs. I mean, especially right. <laughs> you've got a gun going off and a skeleton right there. And it's just begging for having a bad day. I mean, this is Murphy's Law Incarnate we're talking here. Right, yeah. Um, so Isaac finally finds that flashlight that Winnie gave him at the beginning of the episode, and it makes a world of difference, and it just makes it seem like the whole situation could have been avoided entirely. Yeah, yeah, I'll say. But better late than never, though. That's true. Back at the ship, let's talk a May. We have Mechanica May scenes and some quality Winnie B moments. True. The scene is iconic and worth a listen. And if you listen closely, you can hear a faint Amita theme playing. So open up your ears. Here it is. Tape, not helping. I detect the situation is raising your stress levels, M.A. There are a lot of people to reach. This has to work. No room for error. One would most certainly be burdened by that amount of pressure. I just... I don't know what's going to happen after this, Winnie. With Alita and Isaac. Mm-hmm. She has every reason to be this angry. And I don't know if there's anything you can do, you know? How does that make you feel? Helpless. I mean, if you break something, apologizing won't put it back together. I see. Tell me more. Alita's clearly not used to anyone helping her. I mean, when is the right time to broach the subject of going after Lazaro? Because time isn't on our side. I hear you. You're a good listener, Winnie B. I activated my empathic listening mode. Of course you did. I mean, nobody said being the heart of the team was easy. And, and, and I think there's something to be said for Winnie B taking on that, that therapist sort of role there. I mean, yeah. Winnie B may be a robot, sure, but... She's got her own personality, and and she makes a fantastic addition to the team, as we've seen, and how, and as we'll see again. Talk about empathic listening mode, right? Yeah, a godsend if ever there was one. Yeah, she definitely made those system upgrades from before. I mean, <laughs> um, but speaking of quality <laughs> moments, there are brother-sister moments with... Um, when Ame fixes the communications, I love Chaz and Ame's relationship. They they really look out for each other, and I was missing that dynamic. 
Um, we haven't seen it since, I think, episode two. Yeah, it has been a while, and I don't think it's as long until the next time we see their dynamic. I mean, you can tell just how much they care about each other, and you can tell just how much Emei uh, cares about the team. I mean, she says, this is bigger than me. Yeah, I mean, not the only excuse for, for fighting, you know, a, a battle that's not hers. Um, and and that's important. I mean, she you can tell, right. again, going back to that, she's the heart of the team. She really, you know, she wants to stand up for her beliefs and and does so. She she follows through. She, she does. Of course, lots of fantastic Winniebot scenes in this episode. Hmm. Yeah. And we both love Winniebot. So we and, do. <laughs> maybe in another universe, this is called the the Winniebot Stand podcast. <laughs> right. Um, we're not the only ones that that enjoy the the robot. Um, but th- maybe to make up for the lack of them in the last episode, we get to see a solo scene which was kind of reminiscent of her scene in episode three when she was trundling to rescue Isaac and Amay. you know. Yeah, there's definitely kind of a callback there. Mm -hmm. And there's another set of captions for that, um, which, again, watch the show with captions. It's, I mean, this whole scene has a ton of them, but you you definitely get that um, funky percussion and then there's also one that says, Winniebot whirring slowly. Yeah, and, I can just like visualize that as we're talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a ton of them. That whole scene with with, uh, with the rodent kind of scurrying and, and Winnie looking around for to try finding those threats. Uh, it's an interesting scene because you assume that Winnie didn't catch that threat. I mean, there's that bug that we know is there. But then, of course, later on, she comes to the rescue. And good on her. I mean, if, if there's anybody here who doesn't love Winnie B by this point, keep it to yourself. <laughs> I mean, she's just so wonderful and also a nice bit of comic relief for the team. Oh, and boy, do we need that comedy this episode. Especially in episodes like this. Yeah. Um, so first she warns Amei, who, in true fashion, welcomes the intruder, just like they are an esteemed guest to the ship. Right! <laughs> Before Winnie just ends up zapping it to save her bestie. Yeah, Amei is just almost too nice for her own gun. Yeah, and, I mean, there's a bit of a rough moment for Amei, um... Uh, she's as she's torn between literal life and death i mean it's between her life and taking a life by stabbing the bug's skull um which i mean she she makes a comment to winnie like whoa dark winnie (laughs) yeah Um, luckily for her isaac comes to the rescue so she doesn't have to decide on that uh on that but i love that she has a moral quandary on on what she should be doing exactly and 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 again it's just that sense of how nice she is almost too nice for her own good to the point where she'd let the the damn bug take her life yeah and i mean she let the damn bug in isaac scolded her for leaving the hatch open which gets an almost immediate callback um 
because obviously Elita left the hatch open just a couple minutes later. Um, I mean, she wasn't exactly coherent enough to get that message, but these fast turnarounds are super entertaining. I mean, again, with the Winniebot scenes, um, you call back to episode three, like we were just saying. Um, and it reminded me of the karaoke callback from episode one to episode two. Right. It's like this sort of thing where you think, okay, this isn't going to be important. And then lo and behold. Yeah. These throwaway lines that really are not throwaway lines. (laughs) That are quite the opposite as it turns out. Right. Um, so then we get a May and Isaac, a few, um, do they have a, do we have a ship name for them? A a bro TP name for them? Is it like, what? Is a... (laughs) Is they or a Mac? <laughs> um, let, let, let us know what you all think. Yeah, we're not too great at these names. <laughs> um, but they get a few moments in the cockpit together. And Isaac said as soon as the ship started, Alita just passed out. And Amay said that she gets lulled to sleep by the engines as well, which, I mean... It makes sense because she is a mechanic and I'm sure that that's calming for her. Um, right. Whereas Isaac said that rain helps him sleep. Um, so do you have anything like that, that that you like to listen to when you're falling asleep? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, the sound of rain helps. I mean, I, I think back to the second semester of, of my junior year of college where... I had a roommate who would just snore and snore all through the night, and so I I would end up just plugging in earbuds into my phone and putting on like an an endless playlist of just rain sounds to help me get to sleep. Yeah, that sounds sounds lovely. I I'm not sure if I could fall asleep to rain. I mean, maybe just rain, but I I love thunderstorms. So I mean. Those are good, too. I absolutely love them, but I want to stay awake and listen to to the thunder. So um, maybe not something to fall asleep to. But I do have a podcast that I listen to. um, So that that helps me because I I work overnights a lot. Puts me to sleep. For the most part. There you go. (laughs) I love that Amay remembers where Isaac is from. You know, they're they're having this discussion and, and she's like, yeah, outside Winnipeg, right? And it's, it's such a little thing, but it's something that would mean a lot to anybody. You know, just those little details in, that somebody re- remembers about you. Right. I mean, we're, we're talking a lot this episode about Amaze's role as the heart of the team, but I think it, it bears repeating because we're really seeing it come to the forefront here. I mean, she's right there assuring Isaac when he's probably at the lowest point he's been so far this season. Yeah, and meanwhile, Alita is nearing the end of her hallucinations, not to just suddenly change the subject. <laughs> um, but the right. this last hallucination, it breaks her. Not only does she have to mourn her mom, she, you know, she's mourning her mom again at the beginning of, of the episode, um, but she has to relive her death. And in slow motion, no less. Yeah. Oh, God. And, I mean, it's heartbreaking, and it really puts her over the edge. Um, And, I mean, we see it when she wakes up, especially, because before she even leaves the room, 
she's saying goodbye to Winnie and she's taking a last look around and you can tell that her mind is made up and she's resolved to to leave and not look back right I mean I feel like that last hallucination it doesn't necessarily provide clarity but more than ever it forces Alita to reckon with her feelings and just sort of make a decision in the spur of the moment. And that has major ramifications in the episodes to come. I mean, good lord, that that one line, you've already lost everything, that hits hard. Yeah, Uh, I mean, it leads you to wonder if she hadn't had this last hallucination, if she would have been so in such a hurry to leave the the team you know right you know because obviously we've we've seen that she the words from her mom weigh heavily on her i mean she really takes them into consideration and 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 respects them and so you know like you said it hits hard it's just such a such a moment i'm not even sure i really have the word to sum it up yeah i mean there i don't think there are words you know like like i said there you've you've got the mourning process and then you've got that literal death i mean she did watch her mom get shot initially you know she she watched it happen as a teenager no less and here she is slow-mo reliving that moment after her mom is telling her that she needs to drop these losers basically (laughs) pretty much um, but we finally get to see a planet other than Wix. My goodness. Yay! Our long <laughs> see, nightmare is yeah, over. later. <laughs> um, so we're on planet Carrillo, and man, is it a change of pace. I I'll mean, say. we went from dull sands and almost no other life and most of that life very hazardous <laughs> yeah i'll say to a bustling planet full of bright color and people and music and noise and just bubbles bubbles everywhere right it's just so much more of like a party like atmosphere on the planet it's a nine day difference compared to the lifelessness of Wix. Yeah, and I mean, I th- I think Chaz says something uh, to that effect where, you know, I think he said something, it's a vacation destination planet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but speaking of bright and night and day, fun fact, those sunglasses that Alita is wearing when she walks off the ship are actually showrunner Jem Garrard's prescription glasses that she wore. <laughs> <laughs> and they look good. They absolutely do. So when she catches up to the other two, if you didn't notice her attitude change before, it becomes real obvious, real fast, that she's giving up and splitting ways with the team. I mean, she's emotionless and completely without care of anything else. And I mean, May doesn't want to give up, and she wants to buy both of them out of the ship. I mean, she offers a hundred... 100,000 units each. You know, that's 200,000 yeah, 200,000 units you know, uh, to buy the ship and and Winnie. 
And, right. And I think, you know, she's thinking if she can't have Alita, she at least wants the ship and Winnie because there's a huge connection that she's made. And I mean, it's not just the team. It's just it's everything. Right. You can tell just how attached to me is at this point that she wouldn't want to leave everything behind so easily. I mean, she wants to at least hold on to something from this because I don't think she'd want to go back to how things were before for her. These adventures have changed her and no doubt for the better. I mean, she's already the best of them, you know, like. Right. She's been changed. I mean, she it's not like she was suffering before. I mean, she clearly, you know, she had her shop. She had her booty calls. She had her brother. You know, she she was set up. But you this, you know, this trip that she's been on with with Isaac and Elita has has changed her for sure. Right. Um, so but lest we forget, there's another, there's a far bigger thing happening here while all this with the main trio is going on. Yes, let's talk Lazaro. We've got to have to. <laughs> he's got, so he's got the steers ad. He's, he's, whew, man, does he. He's got some amazing scenes in this episode, and I'd like to say this is probably the most Lazaro-heavy episode we have had to date. Easily. Um, This is definitely where we see his megalomaniac nature at its peak. I mean, the first scene is him forcing a minion to rip out his own liver. I'm going to say that again. Too hard about that. (laughs) It's he's ripping out his own liver and tells him to do it quietly, silently. I mean, there's some pretty cringeworthy, gruesome moments. And I mean, you know, when the captions say squelching, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, the less said about that scene, the better. Because Barbie, I don't think you want to have to edit out my vomiting from the episode. (laughs) Fair point. Let's move on. (laughs) Um, So Lazaro hasn't been home for 15 years. He's spending all that time searching for the child queen who, you know, becomes a teen queen and an adult queen. And I'm starting to feel sorry for the guy. I mean, no wonder he's a little on the crazy side. I mean, a lot can happen in 15 years. And I mean... He has to have been through a lot. I really can't blame him for being the way he is, even if he's the villain here. True. Yeah. Um, there's an intro caption that sums up the Lazaro mood, and that is this. Epic, malevolent music. And although we get lots of Laz, I think the breakout star of the Republic is Admiral Kavar. He makes such an impression this episode. Um, And I have to play the scene where he announces Lazaro's arrival because what a scene. Fantastic (laughs) acting by Andre Jacobs. Uh, I have to imagine that was so much fun to play, but I would love to know how many takes it took for this gem. Esteemed Admirals of the Republic Council, allow me the pleasure of introducing 
What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Your new leader, Commander Lazaro! I know, I know, it should be more impressive. Absolutely golden acting there. I mean, who'd have thought mind control would be this much fun? <laughs> Not me. I, I mean, you see the Admiral beforehand, and then you see him under Lazaro's control, and it's just such a funny contrast. I love the, the look on the rest of the Council's faces. Just like, what the hell is happening here? Yeah, it's it's amazing. It, the the seriousness and then that just the over the top goofiness. Um it's just crazy. It's crazy. It is. Um, so so we have Lazaro and he's forcing everyone to listen to this crazy rant before the all out fight that leads into another amazing mannequin challenge. And I mean, can you blame Lazaro? This is 15 years of pent-up emotions we're talking here, after all. I, I suppose. I mean, there's that. I, but, but it, and certainly it is. This, this is pretty gruesome. I mean, we see during the mannequin challenge. But I think we can get how all that has sort of messed with him and how he'd want revenge after all this time. Yeah, um... I mean, this is a really fun one. I You can see so much went into it. There's chaos. And I mean, there's so many people involved and so much blood and random objects. That fish gets me every time. And it ends with Lazaro getting splashed with blood at the end. You know, he's um, got his little uh, wine or whatever they drink in space on Areopa. He's got his little goblet and just looks happy as a clam. Right, it's it's all just way more fun than a violent fight to the death has any right to me. Right, yeah. And you can tell Lazaro is just absolutely relishing in all this playing out. Yeah, I mean, the smile on his face, it's just, it's creepy. It's, it's full of this odd euphoria almost, and it's just, right. it's weird, man. It is. So we finish that epic fight scene with Lazaro doing a play-by-play. Um, it's Admiral Rykal and Admiral Kavar. And Admiral Rykal is, quote, winning the spot to be on to be Lazaro's gopher. Um, and then you've got the cleaning detail who come in. Unfortunately, oh God. they did not bring enough bleach. And to be fair... I don't think there's enough bleach for what took place in that room. I feel like that's still an understatement, honestly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's move to Amita. There's not too many Amita moments this episode um, because they just aren't in that many scenes together. And right, I mean, more than anything, this episode, I mean, of course you've got what's happening with Lazaro, but more than anything, it's Alita reckoning with, I guess you could say, a new reality. Mm-hmm. True, yeah. We are blessed with a couple of scenes, though. Thankfully. Uh, I'm, 
Alita has a hallucination pretty... Is it her first hallucination? Maybe maybe not her first one. I, I think that was the hands. But uh, she sees a May. And so even when she's not in her right mind, her subconscious is thinking about her. And right. there's there's all there's uh, a dreamy music caption and the amita theme plays as this uh um you know ame is kind of walking away and she's just got the colors are just weird i mean it's teal instead of the lavender per you know around her face the markings so that's just and, and i you, mean you can tell us she's hallucinating for sure yeah but i mean all the same come on that shot, even under the circumstances, I think we're all a little bit gayer now. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a scene. I mean, she she was calling her over. Um, and the other was towards the end of the episode where um, Ame is holding Alita up, and you can really tell that she's worried about her. I mean, she's literally holding her and you know feels her hands when Winnie asks if they're cold and um yeah that concern is just all over her face right there's just that utter panic yeah um so that that's it for the Amita scenes really let's move to the colors and the visual effects which there weren't too many we're still in the desert this time it's mostly at night so there's not a whole lot to say as far as the colors go um but Elita is on Bug Venom, which does put some interesting colors in the in the episode. Like I just yeah. mentioned, you know, that you get that kind of um, contrast uh, effect. And I mean, the Bug Blood is a lovely shade of teal. And then we end on Planet Carilla, which is jarringly different, like we said before, um, because it's just bursting with the bright colors and it's predominantly yellow and it goes back to that um every planet has a color and this one is obvious <laughs> there's no question yeah i mean it really is such a massive contrast between the two planets you can definitely tell that they're on different planets understatement well, of the year I, I have a feeling we're not in kansas anymore <laughs> yeah um well we end on a little bit of a conundrum a little bit a little bit (laughs) just it's just just a minor minor missing ship it's it's just silly you know it's just silly (laughs) yeah i mean how do you lose a ship and more importantly where the hell did the ship go (laughs) that's the question um yeah so here we are end of the episode we're done like that's it Oh, shit, as Alita says. Yeah, tune in again <laughs> next week. I, I mean, yeah, ju- just what the hell is going on here? And one thing's for sure, this adventure is far from over. Yeah. Can't wait to talk about next episode. Same. Lots going on. So I was thinking about favorite lines, and originally I had put just all of Winnie Bot's lines, like just period. And while that's true, the line that really impacted me the most was Amaze at the end, where she says, I chose to be here, and I choose to stay. Right. I would agree completely. I mean, 
obviously we're talking a very different context here, but I get shades of Winona Earp, season three, Waverly, going, I'm here and I stay. Yep. That's that's the, I mean, like you said, it's different context, but yeah, it's it's that whole, you know, the, the, ch- the chosen family trope and choosing who, you, you know, what you want to do. You know, that's, she's just stating it like, this is what I want to do. I want to be here with you guys. Right. Um, so episode highlight, Admiral Kavar's scene announcing Lazaro's arrival. They're in the fight right after. Yeah. And I, I think that Tim said that that mannequin challenge, even though he wasn't in it, was his favorite. That last supper mannequin challenge. Um... I mean, so, it's a fun one to watch. Speaking of the fight, let's talk about deaths. We double the deaths again in this episode. Luckily, they're all bad guys this time around. But, man, it was a bloodbath. We I'll lost, say. <laughs> we lost Admiral Kavar and then the rest of the dinner party, Sans Rykal. Um, thank you, Lazaro. So we lost all of them, and then in the past, we, we've got Irid, Clive, Nim, the Dunkrum, Dengar, Krab, Hath. We're up to 14, folks. Chun, chun, chun. That, that, that's... that was not a blaster-like sound at all. I apologize. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing our best here, folks. Well, I mean, our best could be better, but digress. So speak, speaking of numbers, I mean, if I had to rate this episode, I'd give this nine arbitrary fish. I am kind of with you on the uh, on the seafood. I gave it eight and a half baby eels. <laughs> I, I love that uh, that Rykal goes just past the baby eels. The, the episode is so all over the place and I kind of have to admire that. Yeah, again... If you watch TV while high on any sort of substance, please tell us what you thought. Yeah, we, we, we'd love to hear. <laughs> and, and of course, our contact info at the end of the episode. Yep, it's there. Just listen. But for now, we got more numbers to dissect. Mm, as long uh, as it's not so, slippery. <laughs> slippery yeah. seafood. Yeah, I... I Unless ratings are, in fact, slippery seafood, and we just never knew this whole time. Well, sometimes it feels like they are slippery as an eel. I, I, I mean, next thing we know, the, we, we're going to find out that the ratings are just cake. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, 2020, the the what cake. a year, folks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Let's, yeah, let's get away from that. Everything is cake or that's just utter silliness. Yeah, but, but before we get too far off the the, the beaten off path, the path here, <laughs> so episode six clocked in at two hundred eight thousand viewers, and that's a nice jump up forty thousand from episode five, kind of stopping the bleeding a bit there, and it came a hundred and twenty fourth among new cable broadcasts that Thursday. But the treasured eighteen to forty nine demographic. The ratings ticked down again, another hundredth of a, of a point. We're setting it just a point zero three at this point. I mean, on one hand, it's reassuring to see that overall viewership tick up, but good lord, that 18 to 49 rating, yikes. 
I think we as a fandom by this point were doing pretty much anything we could to try and get more people to watch the show. Yeah, and I mean the the problem is is I mean they they yanked it so fast from their slot. I mean, even when you are interested in watching a show week to week, you know, sometimes things come up like I am missing Winona Earp this week because I'm going camping and it's just it's not going to be feasible for me to watch. But not everybody gets made aware of these changes. And so you lose, you know, you often lose your your core, you know, the, the viewers that started watching because they just don't know that there was a change. You know, you've get people that assume that they're you know oh the ratings are bad they're moving the time slots i'm not even gonna watch anymore you know and it's terrible right i think we, if we really wanted to we could spend an entire episode dissecting what went wrong yeah i mean we kind of have the opposite uh we have you know those the uh renew vagrant queen and the say vagrant queen podcast and you can go and listen to those um yeah Again, going to say it. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Keep talking about the show. Get your friends to watch. I have gotten two people in the last week to watch, and I've seen a couple other people find the show on on their own, um, just watching through Twitter. Right. Just keep talking up the show. We're not letting it die so easily. Yep. The the fight is still going on. And what I'll say is we've we've talked before about all the things you can do to help save the show, but I also want to make sure y'all remember that the Discord server is a thing. You can join that if you want it to help us keep the fight going. Yep, and we will have a link for you to join if you'd like. Um, we're friendly. We Even if you just want to come hang out with the fandom and, and be yeah. around people that have a, at least one similar interest. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a good place. Yep, we're there hanging out. It's fun. Come join us. Join us. <laughs> join us. We So we did get some listener comments for uh, episode five. So for last week's episode discussion, uh, let's take a listen to what Jazz had to say. Hat tries to guilt her into getting an all-powerful stone by saying that her mom would have wanted her to get the stone. A maid jumps to her friend's defense and told him to stuff it, since he had betrayed her. I'm paraphrasing. He told the leader her mom was alive in the prison to get her here. I love that a maid took him on. This was a dune-type planet where there were sandworms like creatures, dark crystal-like creatures, and temples that kill all who tread there, hence the Temple of Dune title. And normally, really multiple and gruesome ways. Her mom uh, can't be queen, must be royal blood. I've also wondered if that is what Gene Roddenberry thought of when he made Spock's blood blue. FYI, the related Romulans had blue or green blood. In the fifth episode, Temple of Doom, it had a rather large tally of two betrayals and two deaths all in one day. That's hard for anybody to deal with, especially when one doesn't trust easily. Isaac is a good guy most of the time and may be a lawyer from Earth who was thrown into a universe by a wormhole. Hi, Deep Space Nine reference. But unless it's legalese, he isn't very street smart and often selfish with a good heart. Most of the time, we later see an upgraded Isaac 2.0. I haven't seen any show merchandising for the TV show yet, 
but I did, however, find and buy from Vault Comics a t-shirt of Alita looking very Han Solo-esque with her gun. Side characters are quite endearing, and at times it's like the Game of Thrones where nobody is safe. You start liking a returning character, and squish, there they go. Even if it's a cute, small, blue creature that just got eaten, graphically, by a Tremors movie sandworm. This has been Jazz. Thanks. Great points that that Jazz that Jazz made there, and so many. It's, it's been way too long since we've shouted out some fandom creators, and I would just like to make up for lost time and give a, a few shout outs here. Um, yes, let's. Yeah. So we have um, Josh at Lamaslato Lamaslito on Twitter has created a Spotify list which we will put a link to in the show notes and it's filled with 80s electro synth music for your ears to enjoy including i mean he's got the uh nothing's gonna stop us now song classic of of course course, you have to you gotta um so i've listened to that playlist a, a few times and it's just fun um and then we have a couple of artists rio blue star and hannah uh, that's Rio R I O B L U E S T A R Rio Blue Star, and Hannah is at Erpsista E A R P S I S T A, and they have both done some great artwork for the show, and they both deserve some kudos for that. Absolutely, and if you want to nominate someone that we should feature in a future fandom spotlight do let us know we love to share the talents of our wonderful fandom and we have a lot of talented people i've seen Damn it right <laughs> that'll do it for us this week thank you for listening to our discussion christine your social at retro time lady on twitter and i'm at only one Leia on twitter and that'll be it for this episode next time we're talking episode seven sunshine express Express yourself yourself. oh (laughs) that that's gonna be a fun one oh yeah i mean this the next two episodes are i feel like we're gonna talk a lot especially episode eight we'll we'll probably have like a two-hour podcast i feel like there's just too much yeah there's just so much to talk about because they're such good episodes right so prepare your ears we're we'll be back come back we will return we shall (laughs) uh keep listening to hear about all the ways you can support our dispatches for now until the next dispatch from zygestation this has been a podcast from another galaxy Not Not yours. We are a fan-driven podcast, which means you help us do what we do, so we appreciate any way you can show your support for our work. You can find us on Twitter at Zyja Dispatch Pod. That's X-I-J-A-D-I-S-P-A-T-C-H-P-O-D. 
There you can find current news about Vagrant Queen, our podcast, and many other things happening in the fandom. You can also support us on a long-term or short-term basis through Patreon. Your subscription there helps us cover expenses for the podcast, whether it's hosting costs or giveaways or anything else that makes us the best fan space it can be. To find us on Patreon and to get more information, just go to patreon.com and search Zyja, X-I-J-A. And of course, as a fan podcast, we want to hear from you, the fans. Our email is vagrantqueenpod at gmail.com. You can send us a text or voice recording, whether it's about what's happening on the episode, your thoughts on the show as a whole, or what we're doing here on the podcast. This is an inclusive space, so send us your comments or feedback and make yourself heard. Finally, Podbean hosts new episodes of our podcasts. That's where you can go to find the latest episodes of our programs and keep up to date on what's happening in our galaxy. We also have transcripts available if you need them. That's at zygestation.podbean.com. Till next time, Zygestation, over and out.